There's the beer. There it is. Getting slow in my old age. Hey, it's Thursday night. You're listening to Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson, and, well, we're going to talk about, we got a couple of things to talk about tonight, but uh, first of all, we got uh, the man uh, with the golden voice. How you doing, Mr. Becker? Hi, I have to tell you. As we go more more holiday season, you know, like around the fire. See, I have to tell you, that's a really hard shift to make from 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 yeah. one one music expectation to the other. But it is tough. One of the best things about this show is is that three seconds of anticipation, trying to figure out what it's going to be. And I usually <laughs> jump the wrong way, so that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you keep me off guard. All right, so. Um, as I text, as I messaged you earlier today, I am not responsible for any of the rain or weather. That I haven't threatened to go anywhere or do anything this week. So, um, you sure you didn't think the word Nebraska or anything like that? That you know, I, I did not. Wouldn't it be the kayak in Kansas someday? And uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't think about going anywhere, going fishing, or doing anything like that. Let me bug and say hi to Jim here. Hello, Jim. How are you? Still raining up your way? It's raining on the north side, Chip. Just started about 30, 45 minutes ago. It's getting kind of heavy. Were you yeah, thinking man. of the north side of town for some reason? I was not, in fact. I mean, I left there earlier this afternoon as I departed work, and it followed me all the way down the road. So, um, Mr. Becker threatened to change my name to Rainmaker or something. Said Rain Man was taken, but you're a powerful man. <laughs> yeah. A man, a man who can generate this kind of weather is a powerful man, not to be taken lightly. That's right. Don't be messing with me, man. I'll come to your town and make it rain. Yep. So that's right. But, uh, so, did you fly over Montana in the last month? Because uh, it looks like they're not. getting a lot of frozen. Uh, you're not to blame for that. Not to blame for that. In fact, I have nothing to do with any kind of frozen precipitation. That is not my gig at all. I get rained on. And it goes back. I have history. I mean, when uh, I thought it might have just been a unit thing, you know, but uh, years ago when when I was deploying with the Fleet Marine Force and we would go to some African nation that had been devastated by drought for 10 or more years, and then it would rain the entire time we were on the ground. So, well, but that's that's why they sent you. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> One of those new military secret projects. So, exactly. You're typing away rapidly there, Jim. Yeah. There, did well. you hear on the news there was a? I did not. There was a big hoo-ha over there by where you work. Yeah, they had that whole area shut down. An inspector was inspecting. He was 100 feet on the ground, was inspecting something, and then fell into a well, went 30 feet straight down, and they had to get a crane with a basket to get him out. I was like, God, I hope that wasn't Chip. No, uh, I don't do I don't do enclosed uh, spaces, so I'm not a gas yeah, range. There's a punchline there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, almost, <laughs> almost, but no. Anyways. So, uh, man, the holidays are upon us. Uh, we made it through Thanksgiving. Now a couple more weeks, and we're on our way to uh, Christmas. 
And uh, I don't know. Sounds like some fishing is being done somewhere. Um, but I don't. I haven't been doing any. Jim, have you gotten a chance to fish any? Yeah, I went down to the uh, lake by my house this past weekend. I was trying to straighten out a bunch of sinking fly lines and fly rods, and um, I actually caught a couple of bass, a couple of brim, and a couple of black crappie out of the pond. Huh? So it wasn't total loss. Like I said, I was just down there trying to figure out, okay, this sinking line goes on this fly rod, you know, right. getting ready for my Christmas trip. Yeah. So I did get to go down and do a little fishing Saturday and Sunday. I was going to go down there tonight, but um, work got in the way, unfortunately, because it was, you know, in the 70s here. Yeah. Crazy warm. Oh, yeah. It was it was warm and muggy when yeah. I walked out the door this afternoon. So about you, Mr. Becker? Mm-hmm. Looks like you've been having – you guys have had as much rain as we had just about, though. Yeah, well, between the rain and the wind and everything else, I had uh, had some fishing plans for, you know, Thanksgiving uh, time and Thanksgiving weekend, supposedly. Those didn't work out and, uh, uh, with uh, no no blame, just a statement of fact. And a, uh, <laughs> with the junior fly reel here having some uh, relatively minor surgery a while ago, he's still taking a little bit of time to recover, so we've been spending the time together on the weekend. Let me uh, yeah. turf in a bomb and say, yeah, I'll be back Rob? in hours. Much better. Uh a little bit better every day, so that's that's a good thing. Got a clean bill of health from the doctor yesterday, so he's good to go back to school on Monday. Thank you, Jesus. Cool. Very good. <laughs> well, we're waiting. I have a special guest that's supposed to join us tonight, but uh, I know he was uh, doing a uh, offshore fishing uh, event, so we'll give him some time to show up. But got some news. Let's see. On the calendar, besides Christmas and New Year's, we've got the uh, Crooked Creek Boondoggle, which will be upon us in February the 11th to the 14th. And if you are not familiar with the Boondoggle, just uh, go to yakango.com forward slash boondoggle and check it out. But uh, Crooked Creek uh, is just near St. Mary's, Georgia. It's just about maybe 45 minutes north of Jacksonville, Florida, on the coast, on the east coast of Georgia there, as opposed to the west coast of Georgia, which is basically Alabama. And um, But uh, we'll be there, and it's uh, kind of like our uh, old school boondoggle. We're just putting the pin in the map. Everybody show up, bring what you brought, and uh, be ready to do some fishing. Um potluck dinner, nothing uh, catered or anything like that, but uh, just uh, some good times, fellowship with some fellow kayak anglers and stuff, and uh, we should have a real good time there. Then the following week, got an email today from the Adventure Fishing World Championship uh, coordinators, and that is going to be the following weekend in February, 22 Feb seems that there's been some issue with the uh, in coordination or whatever, and we are moving, or the, the event itself is moving from Everglades City at Glades Haven all the way over to Flamingo, Florida. That's a pretty good piece. So oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good piece, especially there's since there's There's nothing out there like, either. Nope, just Flamingo. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's... 30 miles of nothing, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically, you go down uh, 95 there, and 
when you get to Homestead, you hang a right, the last right. <laughs> if you go left, you go down to the Keys. Yep. If you go right, you go to Flamingo. And uh, but uh, I'm I have never I have not fished Flamingo, but uh, from what I've seen and looked at the maps and stuff, it looks a little bit different than uh, the uh, Everglades City Chukaloski area. Looks to be a little bit more open water and. Unless you're going to be paddling more uh, around their snake bite area or snake, is it snake bite? Yeah, bite. to the yeah, bite. bite. Yeah. So, have you ever fished Flamingo area, Jim? I've been down there and fished west and southeast of Flamingo, but I went down there and checked it out for a possible fishing trip. Took right. a couple hours. Went and went and really looked hard at it because there's. There's the bay side, or the golf side, Florida Bay golf right. side. And then there's basically, it almost looks like a man-made canal that runs up through the middle of the Flamingo Park and ends up opening up into some small saltwater lakes and eventually goes to, I think it's Shark Bay. If you're coming, well, matter of fact, I fished on the west side of Flamingo because we went did that kayak uh, mothership that one time. Yeah. Um. So it depends if you're... If you're on the bay side, that's going to be a lot of paddling. If you're back on, well, there's a lot of paddling on the other way too, but it's out of the wind, you know, back in the mangroves through the, the salt lakes and the canals that connect them, some of the mangrove tunnels. But I've fished on the west side of that out of a kayak. Um, well, pretty much but it that, wasn't, that area know, to the east there of Flamingo, that's all what they consider like Florida Bay, right? Yeah, well, the um, east, south, yeah. southwest of Flamingo. Yeah. yeah. That whole well, area, backside of Largo, that's uh-huh. all Florida Bay. You ever fished in that so area? That's a big Mr. area. Spectrum? I mean, you know. Greg? Yeah, it's that whole mute thing again. No, I haven't. It is. I haven't been, uh, no. further, I haven't been further south uh than Chokolowski or out of the Keys. So that, that area is a gap for me. Yeah. It's a place that I have, have been interested in, in doing. In fact, I have thought a couple of times and talked to some other folks about maybe paddling through that area, you know, from Flamingo. There's a, I guess there's kind of a, a paddle, a, a navigable way to go from Flamingo to... I don't know, it's either Isla Morada or Long Key there, hopping through the islands or some chickies out there and stuff like that that you can kind of hang out on overnight, just kind of fishing and paddling along through there. That's kind of one of my bucket list things to do. Um, I think it's like a three- or four-day trip across. But but uh, anyway, so that's the scoop. And uh, for folks who are interested, uh, the... There is there is nothing but camping in that area, from what I understand. There might be some uh, some like rental houseboats or something like that from a marina, but there used to be a lodge or something. But I think Hurricane Wilma in like 2005 took out most of that area. So there's just camping there, and then the nearest place to to for lodging or any other facilities is up in Homestead which I believe is probably uh, Florida, Homestead, Florida City area, and that's probably an hour. Um, 
me see what that says. Homestead, yeah. Yeah, it's about 48 and a half miles from Homestead. And in that area, so if you're not into camp, of course, it's the Adventure Fishing World Championship. It's an adventure, right? It's not meant to be uh, something easy. So, but uh, that looks interesting, and I don't know. I wish there were a little more time in the uh, in the right season to maybe get down and do some pre-fishing before but we got the boondoggle the weekend prior to that event and then we'll be working our way down there for for the week so <clears throat> looks fun looks interesting a new place to fish and uh so look forward to that but anyways where is jaren let's see if i've gotten any emails or anything check my messages right now but all right, let me take a quick second here and watch my time. Where's my guy gone here? There we go. How about this one? Having a hard time explaining which kayak fishing accessories you'd like to find under your tree this year? ACK.com makes it easy with our holiday gift guide full of top gifts for kayak anglers. With over 300 models of kayaks, canoes, and paddleboards to choose from, as well as all the top accessory brands like Scotty, Ram, and Yak Attack, our selection and prices can't be beat. Place your order and we'll get it to your door with same-day shipping for in-stock items. Plus, we're celebrating the holidays by offering free shipping on all orders for a limited time. Yes, that means on kayaks, too. Free shipping offer excludes Hobie kayaks, paddleboards, and accessories, as well as any hazardous items in order shipping to Hawaii, Alaska, and international destinations. Well, there you have it. Free shipping, except on Hobies. Thank okay. you. Yes. You might want to follow that up with a with a, just a repeat of what the URL is, because I couldn't understand it when she said it the first time, and she only said it once in the spot. Where's that for? ACK.com, Austin Canoe and Kayak. Yep. There we go. Yeah, ACK.com. That's, thank you for that. I've listened to it and put it in there and run it. And so it's kind of like, you know, editing your own work. You don't, you just read words exactly into right. it. You do AustinKayak.com, ACK.com. It'll take you all the same place. But uh, Austin Canoe and Kayak. And uh, a couple of good guys putting together stuff and getting shipping out. So uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, Jim, what the uh, the scoop is. We're waiting on the AFC got AFWC, which is John and Woody and them, but they're talking about uh, some surprises. Let me see. Let me uh, bring up the email that I got today from them. Uh, I don't know what the uh, the deal was on why they changed it, but let's see. Here it is. Dear AFWC Angler, we are busy preparing for our big adventure on February 22, 2014. I have some unfortunate news that just came about yesterday. Due to miscommunication with new management, we're unable to hold the tournament at Glades Haven, and the location is moving to the other end of the Everglades in Flamingo. That is an understatement. The other end of the Everglades there. But, um, 
The dates and times will remain the same. So that's uh, 22 February. We were informed yesterday that our participants had 72 hours to call and get a refund for their lodging or lose a deposit. That's I found out that's not quite true. They do have a contract thing that says you have 14 days before your event to to get your money back. So, but anyways, um, Flamingo area of the Everglades is even more remote than Chukaloski Bay and is a perfect fit for a unique adventure fishing format. Camping is the only lodging option within 45 minutes of the event site, which will be at the Flamingo Campground. Right there, $16 a day. They've had they have several spots available. I was able to get a uh, a basic spot, no electricity, but um, eight people per spot, two vehicles. Then they've got a bunch of uh, walk to campsites, so it's a uh, just a short walk from the parking area to where you can pitch a tent and you'll be right near the water. But, um, and that is recreation.gov. Uh, you go there and then just put Flamingo in the campground search page and work your way up there. But it says 2014 AFC will, AFWC will not be disappointing. Uh, they have a couple of sneaky tricks up their sleeve that are sure to prompt some great reactions when everybody opens their maps in the morning. They say that the map show new tournament boundaries will be updated and information will be live on the website by the end of the week. Uh, I don't know if that's tomorrow or Saturday, but and that's from John Grace, the AFWC organizer. So, caught some people by surprise. It's fun to fish out of Chukaloski, but uh, yeah, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> not much uh, in Flamingo. Bring what you brung. I don't know what they're going to do for food there unless they kill a pig or something and cook it. A uh, little general store, no sewer in a campground. Don't even know if there's water. Yeah, I don't know if there's water or not. It doesn't. It didn't say, but, um, but yeah, anyways, so it looks fun. It looks interesting, and for folks who are not uh, familiar with the Adventure Fishing World Championship, that's an uh, event that began last year the weekend after our boondoggle in February, and uh, kicks off at uh, about 7 in the morning when they give you a brown envelope. It's a two-person team format, uh, kayaks, pedal, paddle, or pole. No sails uh, or motors, no electric kayaks. And uh, you, you open your map at 07, and there's five checkpoints on there. You got to figure out the best way to get to them. When you get to a checkpoint, you get a, a token. You can fish around the area with that token, but before you leave to go to another checkpoint, you have to turn the token in. So, uh, anybody caught with two tokens at one time is disqualified. If you lose your token, you're DQ'd. We had a guy do that. He uh, a fish jumped and jumped out and knocked his coin in the water, and it was gone. It's one of those little wood nickel things, but I don't think uh, it floated too well, or if it did, it got caught up in the current. The current was pretty wicked there at uh, Chuckalos in the Everglades. So, but I'm I'm thinking that uh, the area around there is a little more open than uh, than the mangroves of uh, Chuckaloski. So, could be interesting. Uh, but it was a fun time. We had 33 players, and actually, it was on. Fishing the flats last weekend. I did 
see a segment that they had done. Uh, Billy and uh, his partner had uh, they took first place, and uh, so it was on Fish in the Flats. They had a little segment on there on World Fishing Network, and uh, it was a really cool, really cool event. Uh, I think for next year they're talking about having qualifiers, so they they're saying they found two sites already for tournament pre tournaments qualifying tournaments. However, if you were in the uh, in the initial one, the last year's kick kickoff event, you uh, became a, a plank holder and you have a lifetime invite to any future one. So, but I'm just hoping that we can make the cut this year. You had to get three out of the five sites. You had to catch fish, qualifying fish there. So that was tough. I think uh, the clone and I paddled around 14 miles that day. So pretty tough. Uh, do not underestimate the currents, the area, <laughs> GPS. Make sure you have one. Make sure you have extra batteries. I even have a little... I had a little solar panel with a charger for my phone and stuff. So I wasn't going to get caught out there without something. Fire starter, you get, there's some, the rules are on, it's adventurefishingworldchampionship.com. And uh, you can find the information. There's some things that you have to have with you. Each team individual has to have a certain uh, bit of equipment and kit. And then for the team, there has to be a certain uh, there's a certain loadout of equipment that you have to carry with you. So, but anyways, um, well, kind of looking here, and I don't uh, see our guests, so that's unfortunate. But um, how I was going to ask him if there were some cool things up for the year for. Um, Christmas for kayaks and stuff, but I don't know. What is uh, man? I, I was I was looking forward to uh, talking more about. I was hoping that one of you guys had some experience fishing down in uh, Flamingo, but anyways, I've been over on the west side. I think yeah. that whole Everglade area is pretty is pretty similar you know you're going to bucktail jigs with a I don't think you could go uh, anywhere in South Florida with a, with a white bucktail and not catch anything <laughs> I, know, I mean I think you're pretty much flats that are close to deep water I know when we um when I fished that west side on that mothership yeah I mean it was pretty much the same you know throwing bucktails through, through a little top water didn't do anything but through bucktails with jigs on it and um, look for areas that were adjacent to some kind of lead out or into deeper water. You know, mangroves that have some deep water around them, or mangroves that were not too far from some kind of channel or cut that went out to deep water. I think it's right. pretty generic all the way through there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I just think it's a little more Especially open. This. Like around Chukaloski, you know, you can get in those mangroves and you can get pretty tight back up in there and some of those things. And I think it's just I think it's a little more open. I don't yeah, think. Well, I tell you, um, I'm looking at the website right now at the yeah. map. If they have you fishing out in Florida Bay, um, actually the Saltwater Experience did a good show on snake bite 
uh-huh. and they were just throwing spinning rods with um, soft plastics. That's all they were doing, pulling around snake bite, looking for tailors, throwing soft plastics, nothing fancy. You know, they were in a course in a big, big expensive flats boat. Yeah. If they take you up through that canal into what is Coop Bay, so there's a, a little finger of a canal, and I've seen it. I've been over it. It's decent size to drive over up right. into Coop Bay. But if they take you backside into Coop Bay, and then there's another little tunnel that goes over to Whitewater Bay, that's more like Chokoloski. I mean, it's all mangroves, and it's just a maze. That yeah. would be, I know that that would be very challenging like, to get around. That's like one of the paddle locations is to go up through Coop Bay yep. and then across to Mud Bay and... Mm-hmm. You paddle up through there to come out like Ponce de Leon and then work your way back up to Chukoloski and all. That's some pretty in, intense That's right. paddling there. But, I mean, just to just looking at the map from the Flamingo Campground around the Snake Bite, that's like a five, six-mile paddle right there. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's big water. That's big water. That, yeah. and, I was, and that, I was... Go ahead. I was right at the end of that state highway, that 9336. I was right at the end of that highway, standing on the shore there looking out at Florida Bay, and there was a, about an eight-foot lemon shark and about two foot of water just easing along, no more than 15 feet off the shore looking for something to eat. Right. Um, Don't dangle your I think in, in the, the winter, water. I'll make bait. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, I mean, if they put you out on that side, you know, you're going to be throwing soft plastics. You if it's warm, you might throw a topwater, you know, take topwater with you, of course, a Zara right. Spook or, um, you know, the Rapala Skitter Walk. That's a good bait. Right. Or a Spook. You can't go wrong with those. Maybe take a couple hard baits. But if nothing's on top, you're throwing soft plastics, you know, your um, your Slayers, your SSTs. Yeah. Can't, can't I mean, even that, that. that canal up to Coop Bay there, that's probably, what, four miles just to paddle up that canal to Coop Bay? Yeah, that's a haul. That's a haul. So, I'm thinking, thinking pedals are wife, in order. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, pedals are your, in you're order. Take your new, the new you're going to take your new propel down there? I think so. There you go. That's what I would do. And, uh, Heck yeah, man. But I was looking up around at snake bite. Now I wonder how uh what's it what's what what happens up in there when the tide goes out? Does all that dry up? Is it pretty much flats? Is it always covered in water or you know, is it navigable? It gets real skinny. It does gets real skinny. It huh? gets real skinny. Yeah. Some areas there'll be some areas in there that dry up. But when I was there looking at that area, there's some basins. When you look out across it, you know, there'll be some bowls and then some high spots. Those high spots dry up, but some of those bowls are deep enough. They're going to be navigable the whole time, you know? Yeah. Just whether or not you can paddle against the current. Because <laughs> that was one of the yeah. challenges yeah. there at, at Everglades, you know, at Chukoloski, is once that water starts mm-hmm. coming out of those mangrove tunnels and stuff, you can't fight it. I mean, it gets to whipping through no, there. It's moving. And, uh, I mean, there was a couple of spots there where we were paddling for all we were worth. And we were lucky, you know, you get up next to the mangroves and start hand over hand going through the mangroves to pull yourself along a, the, the pathway there. But uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting, too. Did you already get put, your campsite? Say what? Did you already get your campsite? Yeah, I did. 
Yeah, I got it. I yeah. got a spot. Okay. In a loop there. Okay, good. So, okay. But uh, not an electric one, but I've got a generator, so I'm okay. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's any electric ones available. I'm looking at the no, uh-uh. Flamingo website right now. They're yeah, both. they're all. Everybody, everybody was running today. I saw on the Facebook on the Space Coast. There's a bunch of those guys who are all like, book it, book it, book it. <laughs> as soon as the email came out, everybody was looking for a spot uh-huh. to stay. So, but I need I need Mr. Becker to take a weekend and go over there and do some pre-fishing for me. Put some paint some X's in the water where the fish are and stuff like that. I'll just drop dye markers. Some dye markers, yeah, that would be yeah, good. Absolutely. You know, there you go. Take a sky hook, you know, and hang, hang a little flag there, and um, perfect. We could do that, right? But of course, you'll have to send your Slayer propel down here for me to do that. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I haven't got it yet, so <laughs> I'm waiting. Well, that's perfect. Just have, just have them slap my address right on it, and you can pick it up on your way past. Yeah. Well, I'm actually gonna. I'm I'm waiting for him to give me the call to come and get it. So because I want to go up and, and see the. See the the joint, you know. Take a little oh, factory visit and stuff. So visit with the folks up there. You would even record. I will. And uh, but speaking of dangling your feet in the water and sharks and stuff, uh, unfortunately, yeah. it looks like we may have had the first kayak angling uh, death associated with a shark attack. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm saying looks like it. I mean, I, it's evident that the individual is dead, and it was caused by a a shark bite, but a gentleman from, I think, Washington State, from what I've read, uh, was uh, visiting in Hawaii and fishing and uh, had a foot dangling in the water while uh, maybe using a sabiki or something trying to make bait, and shark came up and uh, mangled his foot off, and uh, evidently the gentleman bled to death. And uh, unfortunate uh, sympathy and all to his family and all, but uh, just... Uh, Kayak fishing is not a uh, it's it's a risky sport just like any other sports are. I don't think there are many sports that are too that you're not going to be able to at least break a leg or something like that. But it, you're out there with some big predator fish, and that area over there is a big predator fish area. There's a lot of deep water and some big. Oh yeah. Fish. In fact, I was I was noticing uh, the other day there was a post that hit up on Facebook from the shark guys and. You see that? There's been a couple of big old great whites. I mean, they've been all the way in St. Mary's and all that stuff. Have you seen that? Been a big old great white that's been working her way up and around Cumberland Island and stuff. I know the, um, I know the great whites fail, follow the whales down um, uh-huh. when the whales go south. I know right. they follow, they come out of the New England states and follow the whales down. I thought they stayed more out in the Gulf Stream. Than they did coming in because you know the Gulf Stream is 60 yeah. miles offshore right. from St. Mary's. But if those whales swing in, because they're following the whales, you know, looking for a dead whale or a dead uh, whale calf. If those whales swing in, they're going to swing in with them. And if we have, if we have a warm, if it's warmer, you know, there's plenty of bait for them to eat, plenty of fish yeah. for them to eat on that part of the coast, you know. So it wouldn't surprise me. But usually they're further out, following the whales down. But yeah, that's yeah. um, yeah, 
You got to be careful <laughs> around that, right? And I would just be careful around... I mean, you know, when you're... I never did, even when I had a motorboat, you know, if you're out there and, you know, we'd be anchored off bottom fishing over a wreck, you know, out of Pensacola or something, and it's warm, you know, Uh and you've been fishing all day and everything, and you're like, I'm just going to jump into water and cool off, you know? And it's like, no, you know, because I've been putting out chum and making scent trail and stuff and all that, trying to bring fish up to the boat and uh, attracting predators. I mean... It's not so much, you know, and, and the sharks, I guess if uh, the ones that I've seen, you know, you see them, but I mean, I'm sure that they could sneak up on you just as well as anything else can. But, I mean, I would just imagine that it would even hurt if a if a kingfish, you know, kind of came slashing through like they do through like a beta uh, school of sardines. And, I mean, that would... Oh, yeah, a king or barracuda, kinda, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, they would just slice you up, man, so... Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah. I've seen more once offshore guys bringing in big cobia, you know, 80, 90-pound cobia that are too green, bring them yeah. in the boat, and, you know, you got an 80-pound fish with that big tail waving and seeing rods start to get snapped, tackle boxes flying, you know, center consoles start to get banged up, and people having to find a bat to beat them. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> if you don't get out of the way and that tail snaps the side of your knee, I mean, your knee's going. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just like, if you know, a cow fell on you. What are you going to do? Yeah. Don't do that again, right? And you see so, some of those recent, like, you know, thanks to uh, YouTube and GoPro cameras and stuff like that, you know, we all get to see the little videos of people with a marlin jumping in the back of their boat and stuff. I always like it when they have the sound and you can right. hear the skipper of the boat saying, get it out of my boat, get it out of my boat. <laughs> Not worried about Fair the safety of any individual, but fish. <laughs> got a 500-pound fish thrashing around in the cockpit of your boat. It's not 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 a good thing. Yeah, I was looking in the mm-hmm. uh, the shark is the Mary Lee. It's a great white female shark, and the, they had a ping on her uh, right up inside of what well, was just south of Ed- Edisto, and south of Charleston. And she was mm-hmm. up in one of the inlets yep. there, south of Edisto. And uh, but uh, and then there was another one that had come in real close and was in and around uh, Jacksonville. So, but big sharks. And I say I'm not shark bait, but I guess if I'm hanging my feet over, it's not my you know it's not the sharks' fault if they they mistake you for food. No, it's just it's accidental. It's accidental. Yeah. Well, you're in Hawaii. You're out in that big water. It's just like being in Montana or Alaska. When you're in big water, you're no longer the top of the food chain, and you have to act appropriately. You right. know, Alaska, we've all seen the grizzly bears in Alaska, you know, and um, you're just not the top of the food chain. You just need to be mindful about what you do and try not to yeah. do anything yeah, stupid. You don't, go, right? you don't go rubbing salmon all over your legs and then take a walk to the brush. That, that's not no, what you the guides walk. instruct you to do? <laughs> no. No, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't they even. They don't do that at all. What was it? A couple. It was about a week ago. There was some photographer, and he was taking pictures of an elk in Colorado somewhere, and they wound up having to shoot the elk because it was just started attacking the guy and stuff. It's a wild animal, even though they may be habituated to That's people right. walking around him and stuff. It's still a wild animal. I mean, I, I'm not going to go out in my backyard and uh, try to pet the deer that's back there eating acorns around the oak mm-hmm. tree. <laughs> 
Even a doe would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, large... my wife would die laughing yep. if I had something into that. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to have my wife. Yeah, an elk is a very large animal, wild animal. Yeah. So used to be up there in the great white north there, Becker, right? Up with all the predators and stuff. Did you you spray all that scent on you and everything? You go out there to attract them with you and stuff? Bears no, and all? Uh, I, I, I usually brought clients for that, but, yeah, it, it works. It works, yeah. <laughs> it works. <laughs> you ever have a bear climb up in a tree with you? <laughs> um, I had a black bear... Um, leaning on the tree and trying to shake the tree that I was up in my tree stand. Um, apparently, he didn't like the scent of raccoon urine or whatever it was that I had, had a cover scent around the base of the tree, and uh, he pretty good size, actually, she pretty good size sow came up, leaned up against the tree, shoved it a couple times, you know, snorted at me a few times, and then just ambled off. Uh, that was back in the, you know, pre-GoPro uh, or camera phone days. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a great story, but nobody believes it. But uh, it's uh, that, that gets your heart rate up. She was looking for dinner. She was looking for dinner. That's <laughs> what she was looking for. She was expecting you dinner. to drop Everything some like... drop some candy down to her or something. Oh look, he's fresh. He's wrapped in leaves. He must be good. <laughs> All right. Well. Well. So, um. It looks it looks like a good place over there. It looks like there might be some big predators, so we'll be careful about predators out there. But hopefully we'll have some more info uh, when the map comes out. We'll see. Because I said one of the things that I'm interested in around Flamingo area is where might they put a, uh, you know, like a checkpoint. You know, like and the, you're paddling through those mangroves and stuff down in south of Chukaloski there in the area, and we paddled all the way out to, what was it? Um, the, what was it? Jack Daniels Island or whatever it was out there, so I'm wondering if we'll go down as far as Rabbit Key or one of those areas and then work our way back around. But that's going to be a pretty good, it's going to be a heck of a day. About the... Uh, Good, uh, yeah, good nine, ten hours of paddling uh, around that area. But excited, I might, I might just have to like give up if I see some bonefish or something on the flats over there. You know, it's like, well, I didn't catch any of the <laughs> bonefish. Any of the target species? Maybe a big permit. You know, I don't know. So we'll have to see. Uh, Google Earth has a good shot of that flamingo area. When if you go to Google Earth, right. with all the 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 bay side and that back side back toward Whitewater Bay, but the Florida Bay side has right. a real good shot. You can see the deeper fingers running through the flats, and you can see the gazillion keys, all the little keys around there. And then that mm-hmm. snake bite, you can see a deep line, the deep lines and a snake bite that might hold water at a low tide. But if they Pretty get you out channel. there, there's so many keys. They cut a channel up there. Yeah, they probably did. You know. That's a pretty pretty straight line, you know. Oh, and there's a there's a canal up there. It looks like maybe or maybe it's some kind of a yeah. That canal is going back to Coop Bay, which goes back to Whitewater Bay. I think that was man-made that canal because it's too straight. That there's one that goes from the bottom where the marina is. Snake bite trail. There's a there's like a a road. It looks like a pier or something. 
right there up at the north end of Snakebite. There's like a trail or something that goes down to it. There's some canal there. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Just uh, checkpoints out there, finding checkpoints and stuff, and then getting to them and moving around with the tides and all. have to start taking a look at the tides. But... I just got a thing that says, so you, go ahead, that Jaron might be on his way, so we'll kind of just chat it up here for a few more minutes. And, you taking the uh, propel down to the boondoggle at Crooked River, Chip? If if we have it, yeah, I'm hoping that we've got one by then. So <laughs> uh, I know that uh, um, Mark uh, Yaksushi, from, uh, he's already got his... And uh, I think it just came in the other or last week, so there'll be a couple of them at the Boondoggle. So um, it's actually I I got it for for Sam because she's been wanting a, a pedal boat. Uh-huh. She doesn't like to. She gets frustrated with doing the uh, the paddle and trying to fish, you know, getting set up, and then she doesn't have the. Yep. It just seems like she has a problem with, you know, even in the flats, you know, when you want to put your stakeout pole in and get set up. And then, you know, like she really enjoyed, like when we were fishing there in Tampa, you know, Greg, she, you know, could, uh-huh. we, we would pin our boats in and then, or tie them to your waist and then just wade in the water, you know, and fish. And, uh, but when it right. comes to like fishing under a bridge or around some structure or something like that, she just gets real frustrated with having to adjust the, uh, you know, get get into position, and then she's like, I get half a cast, and then I have to fat fight with the paddle and everything like that. So when we went to the boondoggle down in Big Lagoon, she got to go out in the propel, uh, in the in the uh, prototype that they had there, and she was pretty excited about it and stuff. So we went ahead and could make the investment for her, and I think it's going to be pretty cool. It'll be in the gator bait color, so... Uh, I'm pretty comfortable, so if if I have to paddle pedal the uh, the pink boat, I will pedal the pink boat. But it's it's hers. Just so that's just the get story. that pink boa to go with it, and you'll be all right. That's it. There's some pink Crocs and a boa, just so that I won't clash that's with right. it. Uh, maybe a little pink ball cap and stuff, but we'll uh, it'll. But I, I think it's it, it's a real cool boat. I mean, the the cool things. It's it's pretty fast. Uh, the the, um, the the geometry between your hip and the the rotational axis of the of the pedals is a little more uh, level uh, with, the, with the way the seat is uh, as opposed to the uh, propel setup in the uh, that was on the Mariner or in the uh, Ultimate <coughs> propel. My dad's got an Ultimate propel, uh-huh. so um, and you kind of. You kind of lean back. You know, the, the, the ultimate seat is uh, connected at the back end. The front end kind of lifts up, and you can adjust it uh, like a like a lawn chair, you know, so you get a little bit more underneath your thighs and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. But the way that they've got the seat set up in the Slayer, um, and now it doesn't have – it's just a, a constant height. It just slides forward and back for your leg length, you know, to adjust for your pedaling length. But um, it, it's it's a lot more comfortable. It doesn't seem like you're pedaling uphill, you know. 
And then I don't know if they right. did anything more to if they changed the pitch of the prop or anything like that, but it's just the hole is real nice. Uh, that's another thing that I like about it is even without the propel unit, the boat paddles well. Uh, if you've ever tried to paddle a Hobie, like an Outback, without the Mirage Drive, it's not a real easy paddle. You know, it doesn't have a real nice, it doesn't have a good keel line. So, but the, and the, the, you do with the Propel, uh, I noticed with the, uh, with the Slayer, if you really want to get it to turn, if you really want to, you know, get the thing swung around, you got to have a little bit of steerage speed, and then you want to kind of lean in past that first st- stability point, you know, to get get the gunnel uh-huh. on, you know, just lean into the turn, and it and it really th- it'll throw the boat around better then. But uh, it responds pretty well to to th- to rudder and uh, and it. You know, if you're if you're dashing over, you see a push or something, you know, and you're you're just zooming over. It's kind of neat because you can just give it a couple of quick pedal backwards, you know, and it stops you. I mean, it'll stop you in the water. So that's kind of cool. So. Yeah, that's what I thought was really cool when I saw it on the video. I was like, mm-hmm. now that's cool. Be able to stop, you know, back up a little bit if you want yeah. to make a second cast or something. And it's you know what I mean? it's. It's a 13-foot so, boat, so, uh, and it's got like a 450-pound uh, weight class to it. So, you know, it's not like you're, you know, if you're a, a big guy that you're worried about being out in open water. <laughs> he's, okay, I just got a message right. from Jaron. He's he's about home from his from his thing, so he's parking. So, hope he's not texting and driving. No problem. We're waiting for you. We'll give him a few minutes, and we'll we'll just keep chatting here. But um, so when you go down to the Boondoggle on St. Mary's, you're gonna take some quarter ounce jig heads, a slip float, and maybe some bottom rigs in case there's some uh-huh. black drum running around. Oh yeah. Speaking right? of black drum, did you see the post by Miss Holly of Stan and Holly? She's, I think see I that did. big big black drum that she caught. Holy cow! I, think I don't know where yeah. she was fishing. Yeah, that thing was a sea monster. Yeah, it was huge. So, she can fish. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to do that, and I'm gonna, I'll am i use the uh, the uh, uh, Coffee Bluff special flounder rig. I don't know if there'll be any flounder moving around in there, but... Uh, the, go ahead. It all depends on the water temp. If it warms up, they'll be back in shore. If it's cold, they'll be offshore. Maybe right. some little tiny ones will be in, but usually, usually summer are in heavy in the summer. Are usually in heavy in the summer. Yeah. And, uh, February, you're going to talk about trout, maybe some reds, maybe some stripers and black drum. And now the uh, you know you fished that area before, right? So um, I did. I grew up. That's just kind, that's kind of yeah. That's, I was going to say that's kind of home turf for you, but. Uh, Yep. The tides for the boondoggle weekend are uh, outgoing tide in the morning and the incoming tide in the afternoon. And they're they're not real big. They're only about six foot. But uh, for folks who live on the Gulf yep. Coast, that's a huge tide. <laughs> As we were at the uh, boondoggle Big yep. Lagoon, the tide was 0. 0.6 feet, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's but, uh, nothing. 
Well, yeah. a couple things there, too, with that big tide and that bottom. You know, the taller the marsh grass, the softer the bottom, and that's just not a place where you get out and walk around out of your kayak unless you want to sink yeah. up to your waist and have someone have to pull you out. I mean, you have to know there's places you can walk around down there, but you need to know those places because what looks solid is not. And it's, you know, people people don't make it when they get stuck too deep and the tide comes in because you might be in a foot of water stuck up to your waist. Well, six foot of water is going to end up on top of you. You can figure that out. You can do the math on that. So you want to stay in your kayak and, you, you know, taller the grass, softer the bottom. And usually the taller grass is at the water edges or the little creeks that flow into the main river. That right. Those edges are going to be really soft. So it's just something like you can't go out in the panhandle and walk around on a nice sand bottom. There is some sand here and there, but you got to know where it's at. Right. And the Slayer people, I was, I was looking at their colors. they got some great colors for that area, like the electric chicken, the pearl, the mm -hmm. um, camo or the molting. And then that... Um, Believe it or not, that purple nurple, that ST, SST, purple yeah. nurple, that's a good-looking color. Um, root beer is always a good color, especially if you, have good, if you have good water clarity. Root beer is a good color. Right. And, then of course, your, your, your pearl or your white. So they actually have some, some colors. I picked up some of their stuff for going when I go home. I'll be there at Christmas, and I'll fish for a couple of days. Then we're going to go down to Cocoa, and I'll be down there with chucking them for a couple of days, but they've got some really good looking colors in their lineup for that area. Right. And, uh, so, but yeah, the, in fact, for folks who are get in and around the mud and everything, I mean, some folks may know it, but I was taught that if you get in that mud and you got to move yourself through it, that you get out on the, on the bow or on the stern of your kayak and just kind of straddle your kayak and just kind of hop along like you're on one of those old bouncy balls, you know, that the kids use and just yep. keep your kayak because your yep. kayak will stay on top of the mud, but don't get out of your kayak. That's right. That's right. Just straddle it up yeah. on the bow and hang on, to the, hang on to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the oysters that you see are not all the oysters that are in that marsh. So no. you might say, oh, here's this one area, and it's, you know, looks kind of firm. There's no oysters. Or there could be some old, old oyster shells a foot down in the mud, and your foot would go down, and that thing will slice you wide open, and you'll never see it. The ones on the surface, and, of course, the redfish and trout, the more oysters in the area, especially if you have a feeder creek out into a main, the main river, that's mm -hmm. always better. You know, any kind of yeah. oyster is going to have fish around them. But, you know... Be mindful that those oysters will lay you wide open. I had my big toe laid open when I was a child. Stepped on an oyster I didn't see that was under the sand. Laid my big toe wide open from top to bottom, deep too. And my dad, of course, was like, give me some duct tape. We'll tape it up. Yeah. Um, Super yeah, they, they, will, they will bite you. Yeah. yeah. They will bite I was you. Just, I was and thinking about it. That's just a, part of like the fun. A new, a new pair of flats boots or something like that. Did did you get a pair of those Sims, Becker? Did you get a pair of those Sims like uh, Bill did, or what do you use for flats boots? Actually, the ones I have are um, the Orvis um, version of those. I'm trying to think. Um, I can't think of the name of the, the name of the boot. Give me give me one second. And I'll come back to it. I want because I, they're a great boot, and they're uh, they the stand up the oysters. Absolutely. Yeah, 
It's almost like I wear my old leather flight boots when I go into oysters. <laughs> they, I've seen them slice yep. through Crocs and stuff. I mean, oh yeah, they, it, those little. Well, you might think aluminum boat. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the island. What'd you say, Becker? Go ahead, Becker. Sorry about that. Yeah, these are the uh, the Orbis Andros, uh, Andros okay. flat flakers. They're a they're a high uh, high side boot with a very very durable sole and toe. Um, real lightweight uppers, great ankle support. Um, you know, I've had boots like the like the Christmas Island boots or the the the, uh, the neoprene um, right. boots, and while they are great for sandy bottoms, uh, you know, in in the Keys or or in the Bahamas or wherever else, they are just not a boot to wear where you're going to be encountering oysters or other sharp stuff like that. They will cut through them like they're not there. Right. I mean, like. Uh, Cedar Key and those kind of areas. I mean, I, I sliced up some boots in there and yeah, got some. So, but uh, yeah, that would be definitely something I would think about uh, for if I was planning on. Of course, I, I don't. When when Brad and I fished the Cedar Creek or Crooked River, there uh, where we're going to do the boondoggle, we didn't get out of the boat. I mean. Number one, it was the, it was on an income, incoming tide, so I mean, I, which uh-huh. I, I don't think there's a bad one really. I mean, I know a lot of people. I like to fish moving water. I, it's not necessarily to me if it's an outgoing or an incoming tide. I like it. To, I like the water to be moving. So, and I mean, even from Crooked River there, an incoming tide that just takes you back up, and then as the water fills in around those that that seagrass, you know. I mean, the reds get up in there, and I mean, you can just hear them chasing the shrimp and the in the mullet up in there and stuff. Um, and then, as the when the tide turned, then we just turned around and floated right back to the dock. You know, it was. I mean, but yep. there was you, the only thing that would keep you in a position was having a a good stakeout pole, and a good stakeout pole for that area is one of the like a stick it pin or something, something that's a small diameter because you got to get it down through the, um, through that, through the moisters. I mean, I have a couple of different versions of stakeout poles. I mean, and you know, like even in a sandy bottom, you know, the, uh, uh, Haywood has like this, it looks like a, you know, a piece of three quarter inch, uh, round from that was like a, a handrail for a stair or something that he's got sharpened on one end you know and it, or uh you know that you would use for a, a clothes pole in your closet you know and that sucker is about 12 feet long he uh-huh. uses a polling as a polling uh uh pole and also as a stakeout pole and that's great you know when you're in the sand and stuff but that big diameter when you get in and around the oyster beds it just seems like you know you're just you can't get it down through them, you know. And I've got a, uh, I've got a yep. stick it pin, which is only, I don't know, it's probably three eighths of an inch in diameter, maybe, just shy of. It's not a half inch in diameter, and it's real nice for in oysters areas and stuff because you can just kind of jam it down in there. Plus, I've got it, I've got a, it's seven feet, so I can reach over the right. side, you know, even in deeper water. But you got to be able to pin yourself in if you're going to work an area where a fish is, or just let your boat get jammed up into the grass. So, but 
Right. You know, also, for that's, that's real, a good area really shallow to take water. an anchor. Yeah, an anchor is not a bad idea. What were you going to say, Greg? Yeah. I see for really shallow water, um, you know, the, I've had a couple different types, and I haven't found anything that I haven't been able to get in uh, into with my $19.98 Walmart fiberglass pool cue. The profile is great. Um, I copied a uh, I copied a PVC key on the on the butt end of the queue to give me a little leverage when uh, when driving it in, and uh, you know it's easy to throw, either throw a clawfish in the the tether line over it, or uh, I've been going to put something a little bit more permanent on there. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Cause I haven't needed it, but it's uh, real small. Doesn't take up a lot of room on the boat, but seems to do the job. Again, it's a it's a three foot or less anchor. You know, right. if you're in more than three foot water, you're not going to be uh, doing much with it. And then, you know, the anchor anchor line goes in the water, and chances are I'm not getting out anyway. But just for staking it out and walking, or you know, getting out and taking an apple and peanut butter break or whatever, it's uh, it works pretty well in, uh, in Southwest Florida. And just taking a, a quick line back, if anybody wants to know more about the Uarvis uh, Andros hikers, uh, flats hikers, and a couple other boots that were reviewed, uh, there's some great reviews on yakangler.com if you want to pick a look. That's for all the podcast folks. That's true. Yakangler.com and check out the review section there. You'll see those because uh, you, you did do a review. Did you do the review on those boots? I did the review on those. I'm not, there's another review that was up there on the Sims boots, and there are a couple other different options that are up there as well. Okay, so I think I might have just figured out what, where Mr. Jaron is. It's not yet 8 o'clock in Texas. <laughs> no, it's uh, 7.58. Yes. <laughs> but it is nonetheless 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Jaron, we're in the East Coast. <laughs> yes. That was when I had the times with the when we were doing the California show. No, you guys need to do it at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> No, not 11, your time. <laughs> so, all right. Well, he'll be, I guess, you know, that's just one of those things that you just don't really make the distinction that, uh, yeah, you're going to be across, talking across the time zone. Um, I am thinking we're, we're getting a, a spring trip. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a spring break trip. Uh, we've, been waiting for the clone to get a more cognitive and a little more ready to experience things. But I think we're going to – I sent a note over to uh, Mr. Rob Appleby in Portsmouth, England. We're going to travel over to Great Britain in the spring. And, oh, thank God. Uh, it, it, or, it already rains there, so you're safe. <laughs> yeah, that's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, they, they expect it, so it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. That's right. So, um Yeah. So maybe uh, get a chance to, I don't know if you do a spay rod, you know, the two-handed fly rod thing with the, uh, um, uh, in a kayak or not, but. Uh, you're talking. Yeah, now, you're talking cold water over there. That's like North Atlantic stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, English Channel and stuff, so. But uh, I'd be game to give it a shot. Uh, so I'm waiting for him to give me a response to see if it's going to be worth fishing at that time of year, what it looks like. But uh, spring break is the first weekend in April. And uh, I haven't it actually been 15 years since we've been to uh, to Great Britain. So 
like to get back over and see what's going on over there. So I'm sure that Jaron's going to show up here just in about 15, 20 seconds. It'll be right at 8 o'clock. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's right. But uh, So another thing down there where the next boondog was chip. A lot of folks yeah. down that way, and one of the ways I grew up fishing, besides a bottom, you know, a standard Carolina rig, bottom rig with one to three ounces of lead and, you know, live shrimp or fresh dead shrimp, is right. a slip float because of the tidal difference. Yes. That you might be fishing a hole with two or three feet, and then at high tide it might have eight feet. And one thing right. that they do with those slip floats is you put a live shrimp under it with a 12-inch leader and, of course, a sinker to make that thing stand up straight. And you float it as that tide runs along that grass and start tide starts flooding the edge of the grass and gets up into the grass. You can take that float, adjust the depth, and drift the shrimp right over. And you could do it with a jig and a scented soft plastic too. Just drift that float right along the grass line. And if you had a oyster bed at low tide, keep keep in mind where that is, especially if it's in proximity to some kind of wash or feeder creek or a cut. And then as the tide covers up those oyster beds, um, at low tide, all those fish are pulling off into deep holes that are staying. Right. If they're up in the marsh, on low tide, they're off in the deep holes. Well, on high tide, they're going to run up on top of those oyster beds looking for crabs um, and shrimp, glass minnows. I don't think there would be any mullet sailor's choices that time of year. Some of the yeah. bait fish will have moved down. But you can adjust that knot and float. And you don't need a you don't need a 14-inch uh, slip float. You can do it with a little six-inch slip float. Put a couple split shot on there and just drift that. Adjust your depth and drift that. And I know many times on a higher tide, the old guys I used to fish with down there, instead of fishing with bottom rigs, because the bottom rig is very limited on the amount of area you can cover with it, they would take eight-foot rods and a slip float, and they would move that knot sometimes up 20 feet up their line on a spinning rig yeah. and they make very long drifts out of the boat because there might be a depression in a creek where a trout and striper are sitting on the bottom on a two-foot depression like they would in a freshwater river, you know, getting out of that current. And they'd have they'd move that float not way up, I mean ridiculously up. It'd be up in the reel when they'd get ready to cast. And they'd get all that line out, and they'd make a very, very long float. And with a seven-and-a-half, eight-foot rod, you know, you can manage your line. And yeah. they would cover a lot more water than with a conventional bottom rig. And, you know, oh, it's yeah. not a very glamorous way to fish, but it works, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, say hi. I think Jaron's here. Hello, Jaron. Is that you? Yes, sir. How's it going, Chip? All right, man. You know, I forgot to mention to you that we're on Eastern time. Oh, <laughs> I should have just yeah, had you call in and do your do your talk on offshore fishing, man. Yeah, we've been sitting yeah, here man. for talking and where's Jaron? Oh, okay. And then I just said Yeah, we're we're well oiled machine, that's right. <laughs> so Jaron uh Wosel, is that how you say your last name? It's Wassel. 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 Okay. And uh Jaron is the is uh you're like one of the buyers for ACK for Austin Kayak. And That's correct. uh assistant manager at a store or manager of one of the stores? 
I was a manager of the, the Houston location for about uh, a year and a half. And now you're just doing and buying I, stuff? Yep, moved up to the big leagues. Okay, so, Jaron, what were you talking about tonight? You were doing some kind of class on stuff, right? Offshore fishing or something? Yeah, pretty much a, a kind of offshore kayak fishing 101. I had a group of guys come out to the, the Austin store location and they just kind of had an interest in that aspect of the sport, and so we just kind of walked them through the right gear, boats, and everything, and kind of helped get them started. Cool. And how many of them asked you about dangling your feet over the sides? <laughs> the unfortunate mess of the last feet. It was, uh, uh, it was an interesting story. I, I caught that on Facebook, and uh, I, that's a poor guy. It's sad that that happened, and... and Sad he was the first. Yeah, you know, that's one of the first that you don't want to have. But uh, it, it just kind of reminds us. We talked about it a little while ago about you know you're you're out there, you're offshore, you're you're not the apex predator. So yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting situation. Some people thrive by that, and others makes them a little bit have a little bit more willies. But you know, it's just a, if you're out there, that's just the aspect of offshore kayak fishing you got to deal with. So, so uh, I met Jaron at the last Boondoggle. He was uh, down at Big Lagoon, uh, representing Austin Kayak, and uh, uh, and who was with you? It was uh, you came over with with Andrew, yeah. And uh, you guys, uh, you attempted to do some offshore work there in Pensacola. I don't know if you how how good a luck you had or anything like that, but. Uh, what kind of boat is it you're you're paddling, man? I'm paddling the Ocean Kayak Ultra 4.7. That would be 4.7 meters for us Americans that go in feet, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> About 15 and a half feet, just a little little over 15 and a half feet. Right. And 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 you prefer that for your rig instead of a instead of a pedal boat offshore. Uh, I do. Uh, I like paddling. I've uh, pretty much paddled all my all my time I've ever kayaked. So I've built most of my stamina up in my in my arms, in my chest, and my shoulders. So when I jump into a pedaling boat, I actually I can go a shorter distance pedaling than paddling now. Yeah, I, get winded pretty quick. And I'm I'm a keep it simple kind of guy. I mean, we. I've I've ordered my wife a, a one of the new Slayer propels, but uh, nice. and I'll probably play with it a little bit. But I I kind of just I mean I, I like it being simple. I don't want to I want to be able to to paddle, and I know that there's sometimes like she gets frustrated, you know, with having to get set up on you know on on a drift or something like that. And uh, but I just I don't know. I like to paddle. And I have a really cool one with my little tie-dye paddles and stuff. So, um, but anyways, Jeremy, what's what's going on over at Austin Kayak, man? What have you you got some secrets to tell us? You know what's? Yeah, so uh, we're getting ready to open our fifth location come January. It'll be in San Antonio. Pretty excited about that. Uh, it's up on the northwest side of San Antonio. Really, there's a real big kayaking crowd in that vicinity, and they're really ecstatic about getting a good paddle shop down there. So we're we're equally excited to get down there and get established and get rocking and rolling with that crowd down there. 
cool. Um, and where do, where do you normally fish out of? What areas are you fishing? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a coastal guy, so it's kind of hard in Austin uh, to hit the coast as often, but, you know, around town, uh, there's a couple of hidden small lakes around, you know, where I live just north of Austin in Round Rock. There's a little lake called Meadows Lake, and it's kind of a nice little hidden secret. You don't get the pressure of the big lakes, and it's got some really good fish in it, and, you know, we'll also go hit off the east side of town. We'll go hit up uh, Granger Lake or um, some of the little areas on the Colorado around there. Right. And uh, But we do make a coastal trek. Okay. And there's a lake that I'm wondering if you've ever visited, and it's actually, I think it's, I'm looking on the map here to try to find it real quick. I think it's just southeast of Dallas. It's called Fairfield Lake. Uh, I haven't I haven't fished it, but I know some guys who have fished it, and they they really like it. They they don't really tell anybody to go out there. They tell them there's no fish there. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it looks like some of them have posted like no good fishing reports from this lake. But I do I do see some pictures of some pretty big redfish from this freshwater lake. So. Uh, I guess there's a couple of of freshwater impoundments uh, in East Texas there that they've uh, stocked with redfish. They've got yeah, good populations yeah. there. So, yeah, there it's, uh, there's one there's one south of Austin and south of San Antonio actually. It's got a lot of them in there too, and they go out there and they fish for them with cut tilapia and live tilapia. Then do they do they act different? A freshwater red does it act different than a? I mean, I guess there's no tailing to them because they're they're chasing bait fish, right? They're not. I mean, they're not be digging into mud for. There's no oysters or anything like shrimp or anything, right? No, they actually some of the guys uh, that I know that they fish a lake called Calaveras. They they've seen them tailing in the lake. Uh, I don't huh. know necessarily what. I don't know if they're eating crustaceans or anything that are actually living in the lake, like maybe crayfish or anything like that, but they have seen them tailing. Hmm. Cool. I just, I'd, I'd seen a couple of things about East Texas lakes with redfish in them, and I was kind of curious as to see if it would, if they just react, if they acted like a different fish, but they look as big as the ones we see out in the salt water. That's for sure. Yeah, they are. They- they, I think they said uh, once they put them in freshwater, they can't breed. It's some, it sterilizes them somehow. Huh. Well, I guess they just keep stocking them then, huh? They just put the finger <laughs> in. Pretty much, yeah. It, it, keep them there, and people will come. So, so um, as a as a buyer for Austin kayak, so we got the holiday season coming up. What, what's, what's on the list for like Christmas gifts and things like that? What do you see? What are you, what are you looking for, for uh, kayak anglers and stuff? Well, you know, we, we just started stocking some of the, the assault hand paddles. That's a really kind of neat little gift to maybe stick in a really big stocking or uh, wrap up and give the aspiring kayak angler kind of like a nice little emergency paddle. Uh, that's a cool little product. And uh, we've got a, we got a product that'll be coming in January, so it's kind of a layaway gift for the kayak angler. But we got that new power pole micro anchor uh, coming up soon. That's a nice uh, big gift for someone. 
And that's that's supposed to come out on in January. Yeah, that'll be uh, January. I think they said mid-January launch for that product. Now, is that thing all self-contained, or uh, do you have to have a separate battery for it, or? Yeah, you'll have a separate battery. They have a uh, actually they have a battery that'll click right onto the back of the head unit, and it. That way, it, it kind of looks like it's all one encompassing unit. Uh, if not, you can run it off a kind of like a little ten volt battery, six uh, twelve volt battery. Okay. Okay. Cool. That, that just mounts like in in your rail and uh, works just like a regular power pole, but a just a vertical straight up and down pole. Yeah, it's a vertical up and down pole. Uh, you can use an app on your phone from Power Pole. Uh, you can to control the head unit, or you can. It comes with a little key fob, a wireless key fob. You can use that way, or they even give you some other mounting switch that you can. You can retract or extend the pole down, and you can use any three-quarter inch stakeout pole that you want. So maybe even the parking pole from Yak Attack. You can put that in there and have it shot down through instead of buying the the micro anchor pole. Hmm. Well, that's kind of cool. It's pretty unique. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. We've got a lot of people calling and asking about it, so the buzz is already there. What else? Any 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 other new things from like uh, ICAS or outdoor retailer? Uh, well, we've got the Slayer Propels in. We've got a, quite a bit of people ordering those for the the holiday season. Um, it's kind of a really big present to put under the tree. Uh, and have a big tree. It can be a real big tree. Uh, we got some of the uh, the new Old Town Predator stand bar uh, stand steady bars, like kind of a leaning bar. We've got those coming in soon. Uh, they'll be in before Christmas. A good addition to the if you've got a Old Town Predator, nice leaning bar. Hmm. Cool. And we've also got the unibars for the fuel-free boats, like the, the new Okins. That's okay. a really cool little track accessory. But uh, we seen anything new from the folks at Hobie? or I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, I'm sure they got something cooking. Uh, they've, got a, they've expanded their fish finder uh like their accessories, that line quite a ways. They've got different mounting systems for them now. I mean, it used to be, you know, they only offered one kit, but now they've got like three or four different kits, which uh-huh. really expands how what kind of fish finders you can mount to your boat. Right. Cool. So, how about telling us, have you done any fishing lately? I saw you changed your... You changed your uh, picture there on Facebook with a bunch of ducks, man. Did you go out in your kayak and shoot those ducks? or? Yeah. We've been doing a <laughs> lot of kayak duck here lately. It's been pretty exciting. Uh, we're going out to a little public impoundment out to the east of town and uh, just been paddle out early in the morning. And uh, Oh, that's one of the products I'm going to tell you about, the Supernova fishing lights. I got those on my boat. That makes it really nice for early in the morning getting to the duck spots. And that's a it's a it's a real light or a real bright blue light that mounts to the front of the boat and uh 
and those those motors they can pick you off from a mile away with that thing on there. How difficult is that to mount on the boat? Actually, it's really really easy. The instructions that they include inside there, you, anybody could follow them. It's you know 3M tape on the back of the the light strip itself, and you just got to pop a hole and run the wire inside the boat and. Then, use a marine-grade sealant to seal off the excess air gaps around the wire going into the boat. Right. And then it just all goes to a central battery and runs to some switches and just flip them on and light up the night. Awesome. And then it gives you a pretty good... I mean, are these... They're like waterline lights or they're on top of your boat or just along the, the, the gunnels? Yeah, they'll be on the outside. Probably, like it's pretty much right along, right above the water line. But you really kind of want to get them on the bow of the boat and get them to where it's like a, right on the edge of the chine. So uh-huh. that way they're they're aiming down onto the water, uh, but they still get out to the side quite a ways. Uh, uh-huh. They make them in a couple different colors, green and blue. You know, so they got the green kayak fishing lights you can draw in the bait, and then the blue is more for visibility. Uh, very cool. You could have, like, switches, you know, and get to your spot and turn the green lights on and sit and wait for the big snook or whatever to come in, huh? Absolutely. In my case, you know, we went out hunting a couple weekends ago, and I had the the blue lights on, and I heard the guys on the boat saying, there's that boat or there's that kayak with those blue lights again. I'm kind of becoming (laughs) a foreman, I think. They're going to start picking you off. <laughs> I know. They're going to notice where I'm at and try to get there earlier than I am. Yeah. So what about what's uh, popular um, you, with uh, Hobie? You said about the um, mountain of fish finder and stuff like that. What's a, what's the popular one now, right now that uh, the kayak anglers are pulling? Well, there's one that kind of mounts in the center hatch that kind of keeps the the battery up off the bottom of the boat, uh, it's pretty pretty nice. It's got an all-self-including unit. I mean, you've got the little harness for the battery, and it's, it's pretty slick. Those are the ones that they're really kind of going towards. It goes in the round center hatches, uh, the twisting yeah. stoves. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that's, and that's the one. What if somebody's wanting to get... get get their favorite kayak angler a, a new bottom machine for Christmas? What, what would you suggest? What's what's a good one on the market? Uh, you can't go wrong with the uh, the Elite 4 DSI from Lowrance. That's a really good unit right there. Real compact. It's backlit LEDs, so the, you don't have to really squint to see it in the daylight. And um, It's got the down imaging on it, which is always nice. So you can actually see really what's down there it's for tat, and you can even see a lure bouncing off the bottom. And it's a combo GPS unit too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you use a bottom machine when you go offshore? Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a Humminbird 385 CI, uh, the previous generation that uh, the 386 replaced. It's a right. it's a nice one. It's a combo GPS and depth finder and. Just use it to find our offshore humps or rock piles, or when you're out there by the rigs, you can kind of see if there's any other laying down pipes down there to fish bottom fish off of. Right. I know some folks who fish in some of the areas like we're talking about the next boondoggle over Crooked River, and uh, 
I my experience. Somebody said, "Well, I just fish in the flats, you know, in the in the creeks and stuff, and I don't really, I don't really need that." But I know that uh, one group that makes a chip, a chip for the, I think most of the units will take the Navionics chips, and they, you can find those holes when the tide floods out, you know, when it goes and dries up, and you can find the deep holes where those uh, fish are hiding. So uh, just because you're in fish in skinny water doesn't mean that uh, that GPS unit with the with the con the bottom contours and stuff and find some of those deep holes that those fish are hiding in when it's water's a little bit cooler and the tide goes out. But uh, that's pretty cool. Some some interesting stuff. We uh, oh, we yeah. talked talked a little bit earlier about some good flats boots and uh, we there was uh, been a, a review on yakangler.com that the Orvis Andros boots and uh, what do you what do you got what do what do you recommend for a flats boot? Uh, I like a company called Forever Last. Uh, they're a company based here in Texas. Um, they make a good reef boot as well as just a standard uh, flats wading boot. Flats wading boot got a little bit more uh, dexterity to it. You can you know move your ankle around a little bit more freely. But the, the reef boot for around here, since there's so much oyster reef, uh, guys that get out and wade here, it's got a lot of top protection on top of the foot as well as a, a reinforced sole. Mm. Um, those are really good, those are really good boots to kind of throw over the, the neoprene socks on your waders on the breathables. We, we really we sell a lot of those. People really enjoy them. Cool. Cool. Well, we're we're coming down to the end of our time here for for our thing. I'm sorry that we didn't coordinate the uh, the time change with you. <laughs> oh, but, uh, that's not fault. No, it's not your fault. I didn't even think about it. You know, when you, it, that's uh, that's one of the things about the internet and electronic media and stuff like that. You just don't even think anymore about you know when you used to have to call somebody on the phone. You know, when you're in California and you have to call back the East Coast. You have to think about what time it is, but it just doesn't seem like, you know, when you're interacting with people online and stuff, you just don't think about it anymore that there's still time zones and stuff. So, um, yeah. But I'd like to get you to come back and visit with us again. Absolutely. I'd be more, in pleasure, or more honored to come back on. No problem, man. And uh, we, uh, we're, we appreciate your input. We uh, want to let folks know if on uh, – the Boondoggle site there on Facebook. If you've got some ideas, please uh, let us know because we're still searching for the October 2014 Boondoggle site, which would be another Boondoggle X. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll we're looking, and we need we need some input. Keep in mind that we need places for 300, 400 people because uh, folks are showing up to to the big Boondoggles and. We uh, we can't put them all in a very in a half acre field and uh, expect that to work out real nice. But I mean everybody is kind of accommodating, but uh, we want everybody to have enough room and 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 have plenty of room to have uh, have the vendors and stuff show up. We plan on doing that in October. So the next boondoggle though is Crooked River uh, State Park in Georgia. Hope to see everybody there, Jaron. Um, We'll stay in touch, like I said, and we'll get you out. Are you planning on doing any fishing this weekend? I'm going back hunting. Just finish off the first part of the season. Okay. So I'm going to go see if we can have a few more. All right. How about you, Mr. Becker? 
Still with us? Oh, yeah, sure. Yep, still here and uh, got to work on Saturday, but uh, Sunday's a possibility. have to look at the weather. And now that you've mentioned Florida, I'm sure it'll rain, but uh, we will see. We will I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> okay, and Jim, how about you, man? You planning on fishing this weekend? Oh, no, we got a 20-degree temperature drop between Friday and Saturday when that part of that leading edge of the cold front that just got through beating up Montana and Colorado comes yeah, our way. It's too so us, yeah. That, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's going to be worth even trying. I might tie some flies for my Christmas trip. I don't That's think what I'm thinking. I, I don't think it's going to stop raining until Monday. So <laughs> I mean every, <laughs> it looks like 70, 60, 50, 40% all the way through Monday. So I don't know. But. Yeah, it's it's gonna be cold and ugly this weekend. All right. And Jaron, did you guys say you say uh, you guys are fixing to have like a demo day or something coming up? We've got a cats tournament coming up. It's our kayak oh, angler right. tournament. Yeah, that'll Tell be kicking off in January. It'll it's an eleven it's an eleven event it's a tournament series bass fishing. Uh, we're gonna do ten main events and we'll do a classic a two day classic. Uh, it's going to cover areas from Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth area, and Houston. Uh, we expanded it from six events to 11 this year. Really excited about it. Um, last year we had about 115 unique anglers fish all of our events last year. So with the the spread and the increase in the size, I'm sure we'll see a whole lot more. All right. And do you have a website or something for folks to take a look at? Yeah, we sure do. You can go over to fishcats.com. That's just fish and then K-A-T-S dot com. Uh, or you can go over to uh, oftenkayak.com too and you can check out our product assortment over there. All right. So folks that are listening and those that will be listening to the podcast, check that out. And uh, I think that's about it. And thanks, Jaron. Uh for uh, Austin Kayak, again, we'll uh, we'll get you back on here, and we'll get you on for a whole hour and and uh, pick your brain about some offshore fishing. Thanks, uh, Mr. Becker, Jim. As always, it's been uh, it's been fun, and that's about it for Thursday night on Kayak Fishing Radio. Thanks again, Jaron. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jim. Good night, Thanks, all. Jim. Having a hard time explaining which kayak fishing accessories you'd like to find under your tree this year? ACK.com makes it easy with our holiday gift guide full of top gifts for kayak anglers. With over 300 models of kayaks, canoes, and paddle boards to choose from, as well as all the top accessory brands like Scotty, Ram, and Yak Attack, our selection and prices can't be beat. Place your order and we'll get it to your door with same-day shipping for in-stock items. Plus, we're celebrating the holidays by offering free shipping on all orders for a limited time. Yes, that means on kayaks, too. Free shipping offer excludes Hobie kayaks, paddle boards, and accessories, as well as any hazardous items and order shipping to Hawaii, Alaska, and international destinations.
Are you there still? What happened? Are you back with me? All right. I gotta, I'll catch you on Facebook chat. 